um, times we see Jesus doing this uh, healing from afar, usually he's interacting with those. He heals, he touches them, he talks to them. You know, the, you don't hear about you know some person, some random town was healed by Jesus walking, you know, far away, right? Um, and so, um, you know, and when Jesus sees this face, the faith, there's a really small but I think amazing line um, that uh, is said after that point. He says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. So I just want you to, to let that sink in, that one line. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And just look at that facial expression of Jesus being amazed when he gets this response. You know, and let that sink in. Uh, and thinking about this, we can also ask ourselves, can Christ be amazed by us? You know? Here's Jesus. We, we think of him in his divinity. Of course, he knows everything. He's all-knowing. He knows exactly what's going to happen in his divinity. But here's a really human side of Jesus being like, wow, I wasn't expecting this. He was on his way, on a mission to go see this guy. And then he gets this profound message of faith back from the centurion, and he's amazed. And don't we want a desire to have that same reaction? Wouldn't we like to have an encounter where Christ tells us, you amazed me, you know? Uh, And this is possible, but it's only through that virtue that the centurion showed, humility. You know, that's the foundation of the all the virtues, as uh, Augustine comments. And so, first, you know, going to those ideas of our, our wretchedness or our weakness, you know, that sometimes is always at the forefront, right? You know, either evidence of tasks we failed to complete or were imperfect or mistakes we made, and obviously the sins that we kind of sometimes fall into over and over again that we're struggling to get out of or we'd like to not always be committing and going back to confession, um, you know, and, and, and that's an important first step is recognizing that weakness, that wretchedness, that unworthiness, you know, that the centurion recognized, right? That's an important first step. Okay. Uh, and this is why that line that we say in church, that communion is so beautiful. And we should really spend time when we say that, you know, just we shouldn't just say that line at mass and, you know, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. You know, we should really let that sink in when we're preparing for communion, just like the centurion did. Okay. But if we just dwell there on our weaknesses, of course, that's going to lead to basically a false humility. It's going to be the voice of the devil telling us that we're no good, that we're not uh, good enough for this task, we can't do it, or that we'll never be holy or we never can be saints because we just are sinning all the time. So dwelling just on our wretchedness, of course, leaves us in the wrong area, leads to that false humility that we have to be on guard from, Um, you know. And so um, a question kind of for you guys is, is how does God see us in our wretchedness? I mean, I think like, <clears throat> I don't know, when we call out to him like in a time of despair, or despondency or frustration, maybe even tearfully, yeah, it's a pretty 
wretched <laughs> time, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I'm going to use an example. So, um, say, uh, you know, you're, you're doing dishes and you drop a plate on the ground and it breaks. What, you know, what most likely are you going to do with that? Pick it up and throw it in the trash, right? He's like, I can get another plate, right? Okay. So, yeah, that plate's broken. Throw it out. It's no good anymore. But obviously, that's not how God sees us when we're broken, right? You know, God sees us like this priceless family heirloom. Like, there's only this vase, you know? So if you think about, like, a priceless heirloom in your family, maybe it was a vase or something. If it fell, you know, like, oh, my gosh, that was great-grandma's so-and-so's this, what are you going to probably do? You're probably going to try to put it back together, right? You're not going to be like, oh, well, the great uh, the great family heirloom fell on the ground. It broke. No good anymore. Tossed into the trash, right? You know, that's too special to throw away in the trash. And that's God's reaction to us in our brokenness and our wretchedness is that we're too special, He's not going to give up. No matter how many times we fall, no matter how many cracks we develop, he's going to want to put us back together again. Okay? So really our frailty, you know, our sins, our weaknesses, our mistakes really don't shock God. He's expecting that. Okay? All right? And so we have to remember that holiness isn't our own greatness. It's really, uh, as Pope Francis has said, an encounter of counter of our weakness with God's grace, uh, with the power of God's grace. And so really that sense of who we are are, comes back to this sense of being children of God, right? You know, that that's who our true selves are. Yes, we're weak, uh, we're frail, but that just is a reminder of how much we have to depend on God for everything, you know? And so uh, Augustine kind of uh, reflected on Christ's humility uh, when he uh, reflected on another line from Luke's Gospel when it says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, dot, 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 what? And Augustine says, not to, he's not asking us to learn from him to frame the world, not to create all things, visible and invisible, not to you know, dominate the world and to raise the dead, but that I am meek and lowly of heart. Thou art thinking of constructing an, uh, a uh, uh, high fabric of loftiness. Think first of the foundation of humility. And as great as each of one wishes to build up his edifice, the greater the build, so much the more deeply let him dig his foundation. Okay. And so... God is, is, you know, not saying we aren't called for greatness. That's not what humility is about. It's not saying, oh, you're not called for being great, greatness. But it's also being found in the principle that I need to know my role in life, that I depend upon God for everything, you know, uh, which is why I, I, I still don't like that line, like pray as if it depends on God and do everything if it depends on you. I'm like, no, you can't do everything if it depends on you. That seems like a disconnect, you know. We got to pray and do as if everything depended on God, but knowing that God's our Heavenly Father and He's going to not let us fail. Even if it turns out what we're hoping for is not what happens, right? 
that means God has other plans in mind, right? God never lets his saints fail, right? You know, if we have the, uh, adi- the attitude it has to happen our way, then we aren't living as Jesus lived, right? He said, I, did, I came into the world not to do my own will, but the will of my heavenly Father, right? So Christ was focused on doing his Father's work. He said, I only do what the Father shows me. I don't do anything else on my own. You know, None of this is my own decision here, except to obviously collaborate with his human nature to do collaborate with his divine nature, right? Okay? Um, but we're dependent on everything, and that just kind of goes back to... Um, Augustine, you know, said, you know, his little, one of his famous sayings where he says, you know, uh, God operates so that we might will, and when we will, God collaborates so that we might perfect. So God is the instrument in allowing us to have the free will to choose, and then when we choose, then God works with us, you know, to allow us to perfect that goodness happening in the world. Right. And so and that's the beautiful thing is that God allows us to collaborate with that work. Right. Um, You know, that's why he initially put Adam in the garden, you know, to cultivate, to bring forth even greater goodness than what was originally there prior to man. Right. God is bringing forth greater goodness through our presence, even though there is great evil. As you know, as we read in the gospel, where evil is present, grace abounds all the more. So you know that's part of the you know this you know paradox of why did God allow evil? Because He knows that there's a greater good that can come, right? So the God's only going to allow something if, by allowing it, greater goodness can be achieved, right? But we're only going to you know discover that if we are. Uh, open to the movement of the Holy Spirit and collaborating with God. And that, of course, requires humility uh, and understanding we're not always going to get our way. Uh, And so I wanted to, I might have shared some of these in the past, um, but some of these uh, are uh, St. Josemaria's 17 signs that you lack humility. (laughs) So uh, we could all look at all 17 and I'm sure say, yep, I definitely am lacking every single one. And I don't recommend you do that because that's not effective. So maybe if you find one that you hear and you listen to and like, you know what, I could do a better job of doing something in that, that's a good place then to maybe start, you know, working on, like I told you guys last week, you two, about having more of the surgical strike method of trying to work on improving our lives uh, by focusing on one thing you can do better instead of everything that needs to get better, right? So the first thing is, Thinking that what you do or say is better than what others do or say. Number two, always wanting to get your own way. Three, arguing when you are not right or when you are, insisting stubbornly or with bad manners. Number four, giving your opinion without being asked for it when charity does not demand you to do so. I think we can all say we do that a lot of times. We're very nice about giving out uh, unrequested uh, opinions. Number five, despising the point of view of others, even if their view is wrong. Number six, not being aware that all the gifts and qualities you have are on loan. Number seven, 
not acknowledging that you are unworthy of all honor or esteem, even the ground you're trending on or the things you own. Number eight, probably do this a lot, mentioning yourself as an example in conversation. <laughs> now, there's important times you might have to use yourself in conversation, but uh, if you're just doing it to drop your, you know, 